0: Well, I'm excited to come to the end of Ephesians. I'm looking forward to uh, this next season in the life of the church. Um, But this last part of Ephesians might be one of the most practical aspects that we've seen. This whole entirety of the armor of God and the declaration that we live in a spiritual war. The question is for all of us human beings, what do we do when we're discouraged? When we have questions about what is really the reality in which we live? Is this all that there is to life? Is there any purpose greater? What do you do when you're a human being and you feel helpless? You know the sense of helplessness that overwhelms us as people. Because as much as we like to practice as if we are in control, all we have to do is look at the weather app and realize we are not in control. And then what happens when you are overwhelmed with your own inability? This passage talks about what God has given His children. Nathan sang in the offertory and called God's church children of Zion. Children who dwell in the place where God has promised to dwell, meaning children who are identified with Him, meaning those who are daughters and sons of the King. But I want you to know, especially if you're here today and you have yet to trust in Jesus, we struggle like you struggle with discouragement. Questions of reality. Asking ourselves, is this all that there is? Is there a purpose? A sense of helplessness and inability. We are tempted like you to escape in various means, by various forms, and with various substances. We long for distraction. And even as Andrew talked about last week, sometimes, unlike ostriches, (laughs) we stick our heads in the sand and just deny it all, right? And the question is, what has God given those who trust in Him? Well, if you're not a Christian today, I want you to know that there's something that we have that you don't have and that you ought to want. (laughs) And one of those things is just the basic definition of what this world is like. That in this world, there is a spiritual war taking place. Now again, that's shocking, and as Andrew said last week, a lot of us want to deny that. A lot of us want to act like, oh, it's not that bad. And especially those of us who are optimists around us might actually say, oh, it's not that bad of a war. But from the very beginning of creation, God has made it clear, from the very beginning of the serpent in creation, let's say, God has made it clear that there is a battle for the mind's of the image bearers of God, human beings, and particularly a battle for what those image bearers believe about who God is. And that battle is a fierce one. A battle that no doubt has been won by Christ on the cross. It is true, as Aaron said, that there was no information that was exchanged with God at confession that he didn't already know. And that also he hasn't already dealt with. The proclamation of forgiveness is real. But what is also real is this temptation to deny the truth about who God is and what He's done. So, this passage has three things for us What is God given for those who trust in Him? And what would it look like to take advantage of what He's given us? And what are we to expect as an outcome of taking advantage of that? Let me give it to you one more time. What has God given those who trust in Him? I'm going to answer it out of verse 17. I'm going to tell you that God has given us a helmet of salvation and a sword of the Spirit. His Word. And then I'm going to tell you from chapter 18, or verse 18, what it would look like if we would take up this helmet of salvation and this sword of the Spirit or the Word of God. And then finally the last thing that I want to tell you out of verses 23 and 24 is what you can expect. What you ought to expect. As Nathan said earlier, our expectations ought to be raised and we ought to expect it. So, without further ado, let's look at this. What has God given those who trust in Him? What has He given to His children? There are two... Words that really shape this section of the full armor of God. The first is the word stand. And it's there in verses 13 and 14. It's stand. And then it goes through this list. Having put on these parts of clothing, a belt of truth, a breastplate of righteousness, shoes that are are, are ready for the gospel proclamation, and then finally taking up a, a shield of faith. But then there's another word that's introduced, and that word is to take up. So there are two words that kind of shape this paragraph. It's to stand and then to take up. And then it says to take up these two things that God has given to us. Look at it here. He says, stand in verse 17 or in, in verse 14. Where does it say it stand therefore? And then having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of grace in all circumstances, taking up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And then verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the gift that God has given us, the helmet of salvation. Now think about it, a helmet covers your head and what goes on in your head, what you think, what you believe, what you know to be true. And this proclamation that God has said, take the helmet of salvation. God's mighty deeds on our behalf, that's salvation. God's mighty deeds on our behalf, salvation. Christianity is not about self-salvation, but about God saving sinners the proclamation of the gospel, what He has done. This helmet of salvation that guards our thinking. And then, the sword of the Spirit, which it defines for us in verse 17 as the Word of God, the Bible. It says, as you are standing with these other pieces of clothing on to take up the helmet and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to take it up. That it is, These two things ought to always be with you as you stand. This is what we ought to have. I was trying to think of a way to remind you of this. Maybe something that you wouldn't forget. Children, maybe something that as you get prepared and go to school, you could grab hold of and identify and say, oh yeah, that's what Bradley was talking about. That's what Paul was talking about. That was the admonition of God from this chapter to take this up. And I would love for this to be as known to you, children, as those water bottles that all of you carry everywhere you go in school, that is always in your backpack, that your parents have told you, do not forget your water bottle, don't forget it, that you learned to carry when you were at camp and you haven't put down yet and you've been told that you've got to drink at least seven of them a day or you're going to die of thirst. Probably not true, but you should still be drinking water. Every time you pick up that water bottle, listen to me, moms, dads, adults. Every time you pick up that water bottle, I want you to think in your mind. This passage tells me to take up the helmet of salvation, to remember that God is the one who saves sinners and his word of truth, the Bible, where that comes from, and I want you to ask the next question. What would it look like to take up this helmet of salvation and this sword of the Spirit or the Word of God? And see, that's where verse 18 comes in. Look at it with me. It says this. I'll, see, I'll read 17 again. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And it tells us two things. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication To the end, keep alert. You could also read that keeping alert, which is actually what it says. Keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. So what would it look like if you were to take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? The Apostle Paul tells us these two things that it would look like. It would look like praying on all occasions with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, praying on all occasions in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And it would look like keeping alert with perseverance. And as he says, praying and giving supplication, which actually means praying with specific needs for each other. To take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit is defined by those actions. By praying and by keeping alert, taking care of others praying for their specific needs. The focus in this 18th verse is very real. It talks about prayer four times. Praying on all occasions with all prayer and supplication. We know that when we pray, we often praise God for who He is. You know this this, this, this acronym ACTS, Adoration, Confession, thanksgiving and supplication, that in all prayer and supplication, this idea of of giving God supplication is praying for specific things, specifically. And then it says keeping alert with perseverance and offering supplication for others in verse 18. Again, four times. This focus on prayer. This gift of prayer. Martin Luther was a famous priest in the catholic church who loved to pray in fact he taught his barber to pray and that's another story for another day if you want to look it up on the internet you can find a great example of what it means to pray but one of the other things that i love that martin luther said is that people said you are so busy how do you ever have time to pray and he said when i am the busiest is when i have to pray all the more he said sometimes i have such a busy day that I have to wake up earlier and earlier and pray more and more. Because if you're anything like me, oftentimes you say, I'm too busy to pray. I'm too busy. I don't have time for that. But here we're commanded to pray on all occasions. To pray on all occasions in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. This prayer is not what you might be thinking if you haven't met Christ yet. This is not the power of positive thinking. This is not a mantra that you say over and over that you just repeat empty words. That's not what this is. In fact, it goes on and on. And this idea of supplication is actually specific requests necessary for you and for those whom you are keeping alert over. That's what supplication means. This is not what Mark's called the opium of the masses religion in fact it is this definition that it brings it to further clarity when he says keeping alert that prayer isn't supposed to take us out of this world but it is supposed to help us in this world to see things aright to pray with the gift of the sword of the spirit is letting God's Word interpret our lives. Now see, here's the deal. We're really good at us saying, I am going to interpret God's Word. In fact, I remember one time an audacious statement was said to me. I don't believe X. So when you intend to preach about X, just make sure you let me know and I won't come that day. What does that mean? That means that I am going to interpret God's Word and what I need to hear and what I don't. But with the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, we are told that God's Word will interpret our lives for us, not vice versa. And that in so doing, that word keeps us alert, not distracted, not disoriented, not in an escapist way, but in an engaged way. This is a really neat sentence that actually says that we are supposed to be alert in verse 18 To that end, keep alert or keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. This idea of being alert is most regularly used in Scripture for being aware of how other people are struggling. Isn't that amazing? For the needs of other people. For having other people on your mind. And this is a great way to know, do I really pray? Or am I so overwhelmed by my own needs that the needs of others don't even enter into my life? They're not even there. But here we're told that prayer is part of being vigilant in this world, wearing the helmet of salvation, having the sword of the Spirit. And finally, in this section, it says that we are to pray on all occasions in the Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? It means to depend on His power, on the power of the Spirit, this gifting of the Spirit in the midst of this spiritual battle. Jesus is the one who said in the Gospel of John, I'm going to send you a helper. He's going to be a counselor and a comforter for you. He's going to remind you of what I've said and what I've done. He is going to convict the world of sin and He's going to point you to me. This is the gift of the Spirit. Paul says to the Galatians that it's the Spirit that cries out to our hearts and that enables enables us to cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit that Paul goes on and tells us in Romans that helps us to pray because we don't know how to pray or what we ought to pray for, that to pray with this gift of the Spirit is the necessary quality of understanding who God is. That to wear the helmet of salvation and to take up the Word of God is to believe that you and I pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that testifies to us that we are children of God. I would love for you to memorize this quote. I say it to you so many times and I almost didn't say it this time, but I'm going to say it this time anyway. Richard Lovelace writes this quote and he says, it's an object of faith that we are children of God. There's a lot of evidence in us against it. What that means is, if you look at your life, you go, there's no way a child of God is like me. (laughs) But Lovelace goes on to say, "The the faith that surmounts that evidence, that climbs on top of it and says, I'm not believing that evidence. The faith that surmounts that evidence and is able to warm itself at the fires of God's love is the root of holiness, It is what will change us because the fires of God's love are made no clearer to you and to me than at the cross of Christ. That place where God's justice and his mercy met. That place that defines for us that Jesus has done everything And because he has the gift of the Spirit that throughout Ephesians, Paul has told them, it is the Spirit who is your guarantee, a real part of the whole thing that belongs to you in heaven. The Spirit who strengthens you, who unites you, who gives you access to the fathers, who is the beginning of your inheritance. And as one scholar said, Every one of his self-evidencing acts is as if a drop of water comes from heaven where the ocean of God's love is kept for you and me. To know that you pray in the spirit is to long for more and more. This is the amazing thing. The difference is between the vanishing reality and the abiding presence. When we were in Somerville, we lived on the bike path, and there was a donut shop. And I'm telling you, it was the best and the worst thing about living where we lived, because every morning, guess the first thing you smelled? Donuts. Man, the wind was just right, and donuts just wafted in. But the moment the wind changed, you didn't smell the donuts, Do you know the power of the Spirit in you? Or is that power vanishing more often than abiding? I would point you back to prayer. Can prayer be made too big of a deal? So, what are we to expect? Verses 23 and 24. I'm skipping the parts that talk about why the Apostle Paul encourages us to pray to, uh, for the saints. And then in verse 19 he says, And also for me, kind of incredible that the Apostle Paul would pray for words to be given to him and opening his mouth boldly. If there's anything you think about the Apostle Paul, it's his boldness. And yet he realized it, it is the Spirit at work in him. That makes him bold to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. He's told us already in the Ephesians that it's the spirit who revealed the mystery of the gospel to him already. And then it's the apostle Paul who says, I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Later on in Corinthians, he calls all Christians ambassadors to proclaim the the message of reconciliation to God. And then he says that he's sending his friends so that they would know how to pray for him, how he's doing, and how they can pray. And then he is longing for their hearts to be encouraged. Now listen to verses 23 and 24 in closing. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our God, our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. What can you expect The abiding presence of the Spirit. Praying in all occasions in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Keeping alert and offering up supplications for others. The Apostle Paul says we can expect peace and love. Peace, this well-being of the soul. Peace that in chapter 2 of Ephesians says that has been bought for us with the blood of Jesus. And in this parallel passage of Philippians 4, It is peace that passes understanding. It is real and abiding peace. Some of these things don't come clear until you leave your context, right? People say, did you have a restful vacation? Well, not really restful. It's different, right? You're in a different place. But one of the things that stood out to me was this. With one of the family members that we were with, the answer that always was, how are you doing? The only answer that's right is absolutely fantastic. And then this family member would look at me and say, that's what I'm supposed to say, right? Absolutely fantastic. Well, knowing that family member, there was very little that was absolutely fantastic going on in their life. And yet, the right answer is absolutely fantastic. Don't ever let anybody see. Well, see, that's a gift that Southerners have, to be able to say absolutely fantastic. Northerners just give you the stiff upper lip and you say it's going to be fine it's just going to be fine don't worry about it but what is offered here as a result of praying as a result of praying in the spirit as a result of praying on all occasions in the spirit with all prayer and supplication is a peace that passes understanding in fact, the parallel verse says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or your kindness be known. And don't be anxious about anything, but in all things with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Rejoice. Through prayer, remember Christ is in control. Be kind. Let your kindness be known to everybody. Christ is in control. Don't be anxious. Pray. Because Christ is in control. Not just peace, but love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Love with faith. This is an amazing thing. The love of the Father. We read in 1 John That we love because he first loved us. That the love of the Father, given with faith, love with faith, that this is how God really is inclined toward you and me. Look at Jesus. He's given you his son. That that love with faith generates the love that is incorruptible. In fact, if you were to look at love throughout all of Ephesians, you would come to this sentence. Experiencing God's love for us through Jesus. The Holy Spirit generates in us sacrificial love toward God and toward others. Peace and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ in unison with the Holy Spirit. The wearing of the helmet of salvation and taking up the sword of the Spirit looks like praying on all occasions in the Spirit with all prayer and supplications and keeping alert even for others that you would lift them up in prayer too. And what you can expect is peace and love. And finally, it says this phrase, grace be with all of you who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Look at your life with me just a minute. How do you love people? Do you love them with a way that would be called incorruptible? Do you love them in a self serving manner? Do you love them because at the end of the day, it's best for the peace? and well-being of your life. The promise that God gives us is that he is changing us. He is giving us hearts that can love with a love that is incorruptible because he has loved us. And when the Spirit puts Christ in front of us, we are transformed as Paul says to the Corinthians, into his image, bearing the very image of Christ, loving with a love that is incorruptible. And it's to that love that we're gonna change and turn our attention for the rest of September as we talk about gospel and community, hospitality and evangelism. Let's close in prayer.